Disassembled, the official podcast of the Big Glasgow Comic Page, where we talk about news, reviews, and interviews in the world of comic books. I'm your host, Ian Lynn, and as always, I'm joined by lovely Daniel Boyd. Hello, this is lovely Daniel. I am, of course, also joined by Massimo Castelli the Machine. Uh, I'm not as much of a machine as Cyborg, but, you know, I, I try my best. And, uh... Somewhat reluctantly, we are joined by Angry Alan. Hello, fellow kids. Also, I'm not Alan. I'm incognito because for the, the sake of my own personal safety after I tear the arse off this film. So, mystery guest X. It, it happened, boys, after a long, painful gestational period. The Snyder Cut has been released onto true, true. the world. Um, everyone can shut up on Twitter now, except for they're not going to. We'll get to that. <laughs> so basically, we're just going to take the entire time today to talk through the Snyder Cut, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, how we feel about it, how much of an aneurysm it gave some of us, um, is it good, is it bad, what's next. I understand you guys brought some notes. I didn't because my brain's an encyclopedia. Also, I watched this movie no less than four times wow. at this point. Wow. That's, That's that is crazy. Yeah. Have you slept? <laughs> like two days no the man doesn't sleep <laughs> he is i don't do Batman. much else either so <laughs> i mean there, there's so damn much to talk about with this movie and it's really hard to talk about this without talking about it's kind of older bizarro clone from 2017 yeah yeah i watched the 2017 version of justice league Shortly before my first time going through the Zack Snyder cut, how and is, how is that? Jesus, it's it's so painfully obvious where they nipped and tucked and cut that movie, and, and it's still it's the same plot, it's the same overall scaffolding. But hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you say plot? Yeah. What was the plot of this film? It's <laughs> what was it? Uh. Something Superman about dead. End of the world. Make him undead. Make him not I dead. Uh, I was gonna say I haven't, um, seen, I haven't seen the original 2017 Justice League film since it came out in the cinema in 2017. Same. Um, and I did not subject myself to watching that film again and lead up to this one. What I did was I uh, paused the film throughout other bits that I thought were changes and rewatched the clips of Justice League 2017 to see how drastically different. I watched yeah, that. Was. Yeah, I watched a quick comparison video on YouTube. But Alan, if you're wondering about the plot, um, have you seen have you seen Avengers films? Have you seen how these took like 22, 23 films to get to this amazing climax, built up the villain, so it had loads of fleshed out characters and lead up, and then it was a really satisfying climax. I'm aware. Well, of imagine that, but with none of the stuff I just said, and you have Justice League. <laughs> none of the origin <laughs> films. None of the characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some <laughs> of the origin films, but sure. Are we, are we really counting? Are we really counting uh, Batman vs Superman as an origin film? I mean, do you know who Batman is? Yes. Do you do you really need to see Batman's origin again? But we did get Man of Steel. We did get Wonder Woman. Okay. Here's the thing. All right. Everyone says they rushed to catch up with just or with uh, Marvel. They really didn't. It's the exact same time frame. Iron Man came out in 2008. Avengers came out in 2012. Man of Steel came out in 2013. Justice League, the Whedon cut came out in 2017. It's not the time frame. It's that they sucked at doing it. I think the main difference was that Marvel weren't reacting to anything. DC's run at it was reactionary to what Marvel had already done. And I think that is the catalyst. 
the, the catalyst for why it's so different and why it, it failed so hard. Like, I would say, correct me if I'm wrong as well. Um, in that small space of time you mentioned between the two films, like in both, like in both cases, uh, Marvel released what more films? Two Iron Mans, a Thor, a Captain America. Uh, we got Captain America, yeah. Iron Man two, and Thor essentially. Yeah. And so also even the then, as well. even then, that's only one more film than we got between but Man of Steel and Justice League. It's just think of the cohesion. DC sucked at what they were doing. Yeah, think of the cohesion as opposed to like the cohesion in Marvel, like and, and then made no obviously Captain Marvel, um, Shazam. Like there, there was no. Like yeah, like Shazam is Shazam is like a great example of as you said that like the the idea of like taking something that's a flavor of, like a completely different flavor from the rest of the DCU, um, which is what Marvel did really well of handing off different directors, different films to have different takes on these characters. The mm. thing about except take right, that man film would be great. Um, the um, the four or so films that appear, all of the Avengers make an appearance, even if it's in a limited capacity. You know, Thor appears in Hawkeye. Uh, Iron yeah. Man 2, there's Black Widow. I technically, if you count the Hulk film, Tony Stark appears in the end of that with General Ross. So you've already got, even though it's in like one extra, one more film, four, four films in capacity, three, you've already got each of these characters set up and appearing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah, also, DC also never had you, you, don't have, like, you don't have Batman having been around for 20 years and Superman being about for six months. Do you know what I mean? Like, that is ridiculous. It just makes no yeah, sense. That's... They're, they're across the bay from each other. <laughs> even, as, even as a Zack Snyder apologist to a certain extent, um, those are some choices I did have a problem with. Is, is First of all, yeah, Gotham and Metropolis being basically New York and New Jersey, I think, is, is the way they were trying to set it up, being across the bay from each other, which that didn't make sense to me. Um, and, and Batman having been around for 20 years... I could understand maybe if Bruce Wayne had been active for, let's say, five years or so before Superman came on the scene. I would be fine with that. That that was quite game-breaking, I think, going in. Um, like I was saying earlier in the chat, separately for this, um, it, that's fine if it's, a, if it's a splintered universe. But for the main right. sort of franchise that they want to grow, it was a horrible decision. Right. Well, and, and it's okay for the characters in the movies to not one-for-one one lineup with their comic book counterparts. I mean, again, if, if we're going to go back to making the Marvel comparison, there's actually a fair amount of differences between some of the characters yeah. in the MCU movies and their, and their comic book counterparts. Look at Spider-Man, for example. Look at, at, look at Thor. Uh, like, his whole uh, other identity. Of the, was it Blake? Or whatever the guy's called? Yeah, Donald, Donald, Donald Blake. Blake. That, that's, yeah. Just, that's just not... I think it was an Easter egg in the first Thor, and that was it. Yeah. Like, yes. Even Hawkeye as well. Like, mm -hmm. you're, talk, you're talking like you take... like. I, I don't know if Hawkeye was necessary for the better, because um, I don't know that if you look at obviously Matt Fraction's Hawkeye run and stuff, and that's like an incredible run of right. uh, comics. And when you when you obviously when you adapt comic books into film, you have to make these sacrifices as to what parts of the character really fit within the universe. And that's the mistake that DC made is that I think the DC in Batman or Superman Dark Justice or how how I'm not even going to say the film again, even though I messed up the pronunciation there, because uh, speaking of it is going to set me on fire. Uh, I just call it BBS. It's easier. <laughs> BBS. Um, they just took the wrong parts of Batman. But as you said, uh, I think I think chat, Alan yeah. would say that that's because of Zack Snyder's ideologies as a person, rather than I think everybody interprets the, these kind of pop culture characters, right? If you're not taking for a specific source, I know that some might stole for Dark Knight Returns, right? But you know, it's not it's not a scream for scream remake like Sin City or something, right? It, it, it is like taking sort of different aspects. People view these 
these characters differently, and I think the problem with how these characters were treated is it's because it was a vision and it was how Zack Snyder seen them, and whether you like that or hate it is going to determine whether you like or hate four movies, five movies, however many movies was originally going to span out for this franchise. It's it's a bit of a polarising early choice to make, I think. I saw um, Dan Slott make an interesting comparison on Twitter where he was talking about, and, and he did a lot of, so here's the thing, and when we'll get to this also, a lot of comic book creators really like Zack Snyder's Justice League, and whether you want to argue that they are suffering from some sort of uh, Stockholm syndrome, <laughs> um, that's fair. But Dan Slott liked some of it, it seemed, but he made an interesting um, observation. His initial observation is Justice League, the Snyder Cut, works better than the Whedon Cut because it is one singular vision instead of being a Frankenstein mess, but... He then went on to say the reason that Zack Snyder's Watchmen adaption didn't work is because it had the it had the skin of what it was, but it didn't have the spirit. For example, in, in Zack Snyder's Watchmen, in Watchmen, the graphic novel, the violence, first of all, is very limited. There's not that much actual violence in the book, but when there is, it's very brutal. It's very gruesome. It's not supposed to be something you revel in. Um, in, in the movie, it definitely is. It's very stylized. It's very slick. You enjoy watching it. That's Slow not really... Rock exactly. Like, it, it doesn't really keep to the spirit of the book. And, and you can argue that Snyder was very specifically trying to do something with that movie where, where Alan Moore was doing a pastiche of superhero comics. Zack Snyder was trying to do a pastiche of superhero movies as evidenced by, for example... Ozymandias' uniform being redesigned to kind of make fun of the Joel Schumacher Batman suits. Mm-hmm. But it, it was a different... It didn't capture the the spirit that Alan Moore was going for. On the other hand, flip side, 300. Captured the spirit of that book perfectly because the spirit of 300 is the visuals of 300. What you see is what you get. Yeah. It's. I think that something like 300 is a lot easier for a very visual director like Zack Snyder to translate. Like, there's not that much story in that book. It's mostly cool visuals and violence. Like, that's kind of the point. Fascism, racism, violence. Yeah. As well as Frank Miller can do it, at least. Um, on the other hand, not so good with adapting or or capturing the point of The Dark Knight Returns, which is clearly what Zack Snyder was trying to go for with BVS um, completely and I, I don't hate that movie uh, I enjoy watching it for whatever reason but he missed the mark pretty hard with that the problem it suffers uh, that I feel kind of mirrors in Justice League is that the fact you have to watch an extended edition of the film to understand what is actually going on half the time in the plot um, this is a problem through Zack Snyder's whole career this, mm-hmm. is, this isn't the first time it's happened with Zack Snyder and uh, my, my whole thing with Batman v Superman, to kind of summarise my review, you can go and read it and decide for yourself what you think, <laughs> but to to sort of summarise, I basically said, right, this was when this came out, it was a big deal, because it was the first time in however many years since these characters were you know, written, and we started getting decent superhero films, that we were actually going to see two of the biggest characters on the one screen in the same movie, and that alone made it a huge deal, it didn't matter who was making it, or who was playing the characters, or anything really, everybody just wanted to see Batman Superman fight, the the question becomes, how far does that take you, before you go, oh no, this is, this is a shambles, like, how, right. how much goodwill does that buy you, before you have to sit back and go, they could have done this better, like, I know it's great we're getting it, 
but how how much does it actually how valuable is that really? The, the, the exact moment that they lost me was Batman versus Superman, the opening credits when Martha and Thomas Wayne are murdered, completely lost me. Like in that that stupid scene, the fact that he has why why is that? What was your objection to that particular take on that scene? Because there have been so many different versions of the the Wayne murder. Yeah. Oh no, I'm glad you asked, and I have no problem with them including that because they've done it in a you know over the credits. It was it could be relatively quick. Fair enough. Include the scene if you need to. You don't need to, but it's fine. The reason I had a problem with it is they have the comedian big uh, what's his chops? Yeah, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and and Lauren Cohen. Lauren Cohen. Yeah, his nemesis from The Walking Dead uh, murdered her husband and whatnot. And rather than Thomas and Martha just being gunned down. Like by a mugger, they have to. He has to include the fact that a bit like from which one of the films was it? Where I say Batman Begins, where Ras or Rachel Gould is saying to him, "Oh, because your dad wouldn't uh, do anything, and that's why your mum and dad died." Well, in Zack Snyder's version, he has to be a man about it and has to try and save everybody, and so he gets shot, and then rather than just shooting Martha, the the gun actually gets stuck up underneath her perils and then when the the, the kind of the slide comes back when he pulls the trigger to eject the cartridge that's what snaps the perils and it's this big slow-mo stylized moment so basically she gets shot in the face which you know when she's lying there on the deck her face is fine and the perils go everywhere and it's martha like rosebud and i was just completely turned off by the fact that he had to have thomas wayne be a macho man about the whole thing rather than just handing over the money because he's a multi-millionaire at the time billionaire i don't know it was just he fucking I me pardon me do you know what's funny i've actually seen more interpretations of the batman murder of the waynes where thomas wayne fights back that's the most that's the version i'm most familiar with i agree some of what i was saying though i think i think zack snyder has a problem with like characters just acting like normal people like everybody has to be a kind of uber macho hero man and it's it's, See, it's a similar problem <laughs> a similar problem in man of steel with, with jonathan kent like what was wrong with a heart attack a heart attack's perfect yeah, because it's the one thing that superman can't stop he can't do anything about whereas exactly. a big tornado and he's like i'll be the kind of I don't know, the sacrifice here and you guys can go... Like, there was no reason for him to die in that film, but the reason to make him die in that way was because Zack Snyder refuses... I don't know if he maybe sees a heart attack as being like a weak death for a character's dad or what, but... I think that's exactly it. Why that's change it? It's unforgivable about Man of Steel for me. Um, because see All-Star Superman for how to make a heart attack death of Jonathan Kent impactful. Uh, that is how you make a heart... Like, Jonathan Kent dying of a heart attack mm-hmm. the most impactful it's ever been in any comic. Yeah. Because I know, I know, like, I think it's like in Superman and Lois, which is a new TV show that's came out recently. Um, they, they show it there. They show a few frames. Obviously, that's part of his origin. But yeah, like, the the um, Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely version shows you how that, that would, you would be able to do that in a film. The idea of, like, if you made him die, but he's, he's like, he's too far away. He's not fast enough. He can't, can't he stop a heartbeat. You can't race in between a heartbeat. Yeah. No, that's that exactly. But also, you're kind of comparing. Uh, from Batman versus Superman, you're comparing David S. Goyer and Christopher Nolan, no, he was Man of Steel, wasn't he? And Zack Snyder with Grant Morrison. You know, it's it's a different sport. <laughs> I 
was going to say, I bet, he, I bet he Zack Snyder hates All-Star Superman. Like, I, th- I think he probably likes it, yeah. but it's just not dark enough for him. That's his jam, and that's where me and him just totally diverge, and that's why I don't like his films. So it's it's not him, it's me. Like I, I know that, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to stop now, right? so let someone else kind of have their, their, their say. Uh, I think we should we should probably move on. To should the we move into stuff. the actual film? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, because we've we've spent the last maybe twenty minutes or so talking about the films that exist around that film, and I but, think. But context is important. Yeah, context is it's, very important. That's a con- that's an important part of the conversation ultimately. Yeah, um, to to set up w- what this film is, and obviously the the birth of this film, like I mentioned from the outset, was kind of a long, painful gestation. It was in development in. 2016, 2017, uh, Zack Snyder had a personal tragedy in the family, and so he had to step away from the project, and Joss Whedon was picked up and kind of unceremoniously stuck on the project. I'm right in saying, in, in the original cut, it still says directed by directed by Zack Snyder. It doesn't have Joss Whedon's it name does. mentioned, is that right? It, it has Joss Whedon mentioned in the screenplay, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Is, it's like Josh Whedon and it's the guy who done the screenplay for this who I can't right. remember his, um... correct which seemed weirdly disingenuous um, with how much of that movie was rewritten reshot entire scenes plucked out so uh, let's talk about the most overarching general thing about this movie first the length it felt like it lasted forever I definitely this is not a movie I would see in theaters I'll say that I would not have sat through this in a movie no. theater um I was happy to sit there in the comfort of my living room and kind of take it in and experience what it was. That said, I would be perfectly happy to see the eventual fan edit that cuts it down to a more manageable thing. Which is entirely reasonable. Like, it could have, in my opinion, um, you could have shaved maybe an hour and a half off this film. The entire first Wonder Woman scene, and this really goes for the 2017 version as well, that entire scene with the terrorists um, and the bomb and all had absolutely no purpose in the film. There was no reason for it to be there. It, it didn't add anything to the narrative. Although, I did feel like that one scene in this film, Wonder Woman was more heroic in that scene than any yeah. at any point in Wonder Woman 84. That's not a perfect scene, and I agree, it's about, the film was about uh, self-indulgent, and obviously, as you're saying, in terms of plot, it's quite unnecessary, but just watching that, I'm like, oh my god, this is so much better than any part of Wonder Woman 84. <laughs> like, it even beats out the the 2017 version of the scene as well, in my opinion, like although it's like longer and stuff, it's more Wonder Woman than anything that appears in that first Justice League film, or the first version of it. That scene had the first F bomb as well, which was weird. There's one really major difference. There's only one really major difference between this version yeah. and the 2017 version. Is it just me, or was that total overkill for that one guy? Like she took it off. Like everything but his little <laughs> bowler hat is exploded. Um, I was a big fan of actually the um her with the bullets like i felt that was justified slow-mo in it, my opinion it absolutely was but i laughed really hard as his little hat floats down yeah it was just cool as shit like it just uh, why doesn't she have super power. speed powers cool the entire rest of the movie she does i'm pretty sure does she yeah, that was cool she did at another point i did notice at another point towards the end when she was fighting in the sewer i noticed that i think and the sewer she has it and then also in the end of the film as well uh, during the final fight, which we'll get to, okay. but it's definitely more—it's definitely most noticeable in this scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, because it's more—it's I think it's more noticeable because she's fighting off against normal people and not with a bunch of super gods. Yeah, killing the guy did seem pretty overkill because especially if she has those super speed powers, why do her whole bracer? Like, why not just run over and tie him up? Yeah, I did wonder that myself. Yeah, because it, because it looks killer. 
<laughs> it's it's that's the thing. It's not a bad scene overall. It just didn't really have a place in the film. It felt like something they wrote because oh, it's cool and it's Wonder Woman being Wonder Woman, and we want to have it in the yeah. movie. But ultimately, it doesn't really add anything. And that alone, you cut that out, you cut like what 10 15 minutes off the runtime but at the same time as soon as i mean i don't know about you guys but as soon as i heard we were getting this version of the film and all the news about it originally it was originally going to be like four parts and then it was going to be like one big part and all Mm -hmm. the rest of it um after watching the ultimate cut about batman v superman it was like well it's going to be self-indulgent there's going to be unnecessarily absolutely extraneous scenes it's I, i i wasn't expecting that so it didn't bother me it didn't bother me. I just I spent the whole time, especially in my subsequent watchings, I spent the whole time thinking, what would I cut from this movie to keep it intact with what it is, not weeding it up, but make it more digestible? And the first thing that came to mind is that scene. That would be that would be the first thing I would excise. I, I watched it. I watched it twice, and personally, I didn't. I didn't feel the runtime too much. But how you watched it four times, I don't know. That's Alan would just burn the whole film. Is is what he would cut. I watched. I was. Yeah, I watched it one time, but I paused it. You couldn't pay me to watch that film again. I think it is genuinely the worst thing that I've ever seen by far. I think it is. I think it's awful. I think it's absolute garbage. I, I've watched worse films than that, which I've enjoyed because they're funny, bad. But that is just so pretentious and so... I don't recognise any of the characters on screen and I didn't care what happened to anybody on screen, like, at all. The scene in this one that broke me was Iceland, where they all have a wee sing song. Do you want to cycle back to the opening and we can talk about that and talk about how the, how you say that you don't recognise any of these characters? I don't recognise a single person in it. Yeah. Okay, so what was the opening again? Because I'm honestly trying to forget this one. The opening of this one, uh, this version of the film, uh, the Snyder Cut, was it starts off, picks up immediately after Batman vs Superman, when Superman's killed. Spoilers! It's super slow motion, and obviously it cuts into, like, shows, you know, Batman, like, firing the the gun that then shoots through Doomsday, and then Superman's, like, scream echoes out. And I, I personally, I much prefer this start over the original version. Uh, apart from the dodgy uh, Lex Luthor CGI that happens <laughs> that in the, so the middle of the scene that really that really broke my immersion. No need for that scene, by the way. Could have skipped past that and kept that entire first opening section free of terrible CGI, in my opinion. Yeah. But I was a big fan of watching, literally, I just like, and they explained it, they the idea that the mother box awake, or start awakening because Earth's biggest open defender uh, are, uh, and personally for me, I thought that was a much more poignant and impactful start. To it the provided a lot more context in the original cut of Justice League from 2017. It was kind of like, here are these boxes here, and here's this dude with some armor, and I guess he wants to find them all, and the Unity Mother. And like, Steppenwolf was just presented as this generic, yeah. storyless, boring... Unthreatening henchman. Like, that was the thing in this movie. I mean, he still was a bit of a henchman with daddy issues, but or well, that's the thing issues, in, the, in the 2017 version, he's not a henchman at all. They present him as the big yeah, bad. They kind of cut Dark charge. Side yeah. entirely. Yeah, but and it, the way he looks it, as well. By the way, sorry, he, he <laughs> did. Off damn, but. It felt so much more animalistic in this one, which was 
he felt like a physical threat more so than he did in the last one, which I liked. Like that scene where he's oh, chasing the Amazonians and he's just knocking horses down as if they're nothing. It was like, well, this <coughs> this guy has actually like you know he has a physical threat. Has, so that was looking, good. He's kind of a kitty cat face. And he's lanky, lanky ass in the first one. It's lanky boy. He got he got it's hench. Like... He did get hench. That armor, by the way, looks really pinchy. <laughs> Yeah, right? how much skin must get caught in that? Yeah. Oh, that's all I could think watching it is, man, that's... It was really... I was. I liked the way the armor kind of undulated and moved with him. I thought that was kind of cool, to be honest, just visually speaking. Yeah, it was just lots of wee lines, but, uh, but it all kind of oh, animated. It was over-designed as f***. I mean, let's, let's be clear. Like, unnecessary, <laughs> like most things in this movie. But it was cool looking, <laughs> like most things in this movie. At least it fits the aesthetic, I guess. Yeah. At least it's consistent. Yeah. Over here. Sure. I liked. Uh, I thought Darkseid looked all right, honestly. Yeah, I thought I thought he looked good. For he looked better than he did in the posters. I think he looked better in action and movement than he did in the still images that I seen. I I would have. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would have loved to have seen like classic tunic, mm-hmm. simplified Darkseid. This was very yeah. much like a new Fifty Two version of Darkseid, but. Yeah. It fit the overall aesthetic that they were going for with all the Apocalyptian stuff. I get it. It's fine. He looked the part. They didn't do anything that made him look yeah. radically not like Darkseid, which is kind of what I was worried about. Or just a big genetic grey guy like Doomsday. Or any of any of the films that appear. Any of the villains that appear. <laughs> do I talk about the Aquaman scene? Because that was which one? much the same, but slightly different. The, the, the opening scene where he goes to find him. And, and, it, and Alan's got a lot to say about it, I feel like. <laughs> I thought it provided lots of context for me, personally. Like, it actually made sense within the film. <laughs> We're all savages! Um, like, the, like, <laughs> one thing for me was in the original cut. In the original cut, when, like, they, like, like they explain, oh, there's a big snowstorm. Oh, they said they don't explain that, even. Um, and, like, it made me think, why did Bruce Wayne not just chop him? Right. And then they explain this, oh, this is a snowstorm, so he couldn't get in, he had to ride across the mountains. Okay, that makes sense. Like, I just felt like the scene did a lot better of cleaning up. Well... Some of the questions, and they I completely had the in the 2017 version. Did they have any of the? Um, well, they had a little bit, didn't they? Of, of Arthur speaking Icelandic back and forth with the villagers. I think so. They didn't have the weird hymn that came out of nowhere and was felt really out of place. That was odd. I, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I kind of miss the "I heard you can talk to fish" line. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. There's some things in this film I do miss. I did prefer Bruce Wayne surprising Arthur by replying to him in Icelandic versus the that was can great. you point me to Atlantis line that they have in the Whedon version. I, mm-hmm. I kind of liked the... That felt very Bruce Wayne Batman to me. Yeah. The kind of like, haha, I'm going to pull this one out on you because I'm smart yeah. with a little smirk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was... I can't, I can't figure out, you guys. I can't figure out if I like this movie because I like this movie or if I like this movie because I see parts of this movie that could be a better thing and I'm so mad that it's not. Do you, do you know what you want to do, right? Well, well, because obviously we're going to be in this for a wee while. So we'll break it down and we'll rate what this start opening scene, opening section, is it better or worse than the original 2017? It's better. Okay. It's completely better. I had no idea. Don't remember, the, don't remember the 2017 version at all. I remember not being disgusted or upset by it i remember just thinking it was crap but this one this this scene just this was the point where i was like nah this film uh, all the bit in the bar what was your problem with this scene what i really hate about yeah, it, I was gonna say, what this is probably the really, least controversial scene he doesn't like manly aquaman is his problem oh, that was a problem but the thing that really that i really it- hated about it was it when if, he smashed? You know, if you want to know, when he smashed the yeah, whiskey bottle? Bullshit! Like, just what the hell is that? 
but the thing that I really hated about it was the fact that it, it gave me an insight into what... Okay, okay, smash bottles. It gave me an insight into how Zack Snyder sees the rest of us. We're either twee savages who sit around, like, singing songs about our saviour who comes from the ocean to, to know, you really, really help us out, or we're, you know, cannon fodder. Like, that seems to be the way that he views the rest of the world, and I can't be doing it. I just dislike the films that the guy makes, See, and I dislike the choices that he makes. I, I, I really feel like you're reading hard into his worldview with that because you want well, to, but that's from just From the me. films. I mean, I don't, he might be a so, sound guy. He might be, like, a really nice guy, and I'm sure he is, but the things that he portrays on screen, I can't be doing with. Like, it, it's just... It rubs me so far up the wrong way that I just can't take the rest of it in. He's got seven... Sorry, six. He's got six super gods who are just so far above the rest of us. There's scenes later on where they're talking about Cyborg and it's, oh, he might be a genius. He might be head of the football team, but his daddy doesn't like him. And it's just like, oh, I'm so sad. And then... Bruce, Bruce I mean, Mano. that is a key part of Cyborg's oh, background, I, I though, even in the comics. If you let me continue, we then have a scene with Bruce Wayne fixing his super f***ing trip carrier, and it's a, oh yeah, the, the greatest minds at Wayne Tech couldn't fix it, but Bruce Wayne could. Nobody in this film I, I can give a s*** about, like... Nobody needs anybody else. I mean, Bruce Wayne is like a genius level yeah, one. I know. Like, so, <laughs> Bruce Wayne didn't fix the troop carrier, though. Victor did. At this point, at this point, Victor hasn't been there. It's only Diana and Bruce Wayne. And it's just like, yeah. No, they're saying that they want to get it working, but they can't, I think. Yeah, Victor's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the one that fixes it. Like, his Later on, but at this point, like, Bruce Wayne is doing it because the greatest minds in Wayne Tech couldn't do it. It's just like, f*** off, man. Like, just... Seriously? Yeah, he's trying to, but he's not succeeding. I'd say I'd say the issue would have been if he'd succeeded and got it working, and then it broke, and then Cyborg fixed it. Like, th- like he doesn't get it working at any point. Yeah, I, I, like... I don't have a problem with that. Bruce Wayne is always set up as being one of the smartest men in the world. Yeah. I don't oh, see a problem oh, with that. Definitely. Yeah, it's the same with Reed Richards and like Marvel yeah. characters, so it doesn't. But yeah. I get what you're saying. I just don't think that particular it's example fits. But it's, it's, just, it's not one thing. <laughs> it's all of the things and the twee. Icelandic singing at the start, I just went, f*** you, this film is balls. And it got I, okay, the, the, the Iceland, <laughs> the haunted Icelandic lady singing for two straight minutes. I was not a fan. I, I was waiting for the scene to come Yeah, yeah. Jack oh, Man and Batman are both like, gone, and they're just lingering. And she's sniffing his jumper? Like, she's see, sniffing see his it. jumper? Like, what the hell? <laughs> see... <laughs> It's ridiculous. This is so dumb. That's the thing. See if they cut away and it was over the top of, say, Aquaman swimming or Bruce, like, going away. Okay, makes a bit more sense. As she said, it's just two full minutes of a group of Icelandic women. Yeah. One of them goes forward. We've spoken about them for so long. I'm going to give their names here, right? As as good as I can possibly do Icelandic names here. So we had uh, Augusta Eva Iron's daughter. We had Björk Sigfin's daughter. And the woman who is credited as being singing Icelandic women rather than just young Icelandic women was Salome Gunnard's daughter. So shout out to them, and I'm glad they got their two minutes of fame and whatnot, but my God, it did kill that film for me, stone dead. I was going to say the thing about it as well is that you were waiting for it to turn into a Kelonad. Yes. <laughs> you were waiting for it to turn into a Kelonad. Like, 
oh, I'm sniffing the jumper of my lover kind of thing. Yeah, like, we just, let, like, let me actually wind back what I said earlier. The Wonder Woman scene, not the first thing I would cut from that film. It would be, I would <laughs> I would cut from that scene much earlier. Yeah. <laughs> to, to eyes um, I, as a matter of fact, as soon as Bruce Wayne looks back and there's just ripples where Arthur was, cut, next scene. Which is what they do in the original, uh, Josh Green, so, yeah. mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Which makes sense. I love, I love the idea as actually they're sitting watching that scene going, this needs something else. This needs two minutes of Icelandic women singing a random hymn. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, so after that, right, we get Jeremy, get what, Bruce going away? Is that what we get? And we get him to yeah. that with Alfred? Is that what yeah, happens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back to the airstrip and Alfred meets him. Yeah. Um, which is probably the best part of this film is more Jeremy Irons. I'm a big fan. Their relationships, but probably You can't tell me you hate Jeremy Irons, Alfred. Yeah. No, come on, that's a great Alfred. Can't stand it. He's the most passive-aggressive person who, if I was Batman and could fight 14 people at once, I would be in jail for murdering Alfred by this point. If they've been together for 20 years, I can see... Have you met Alfred? His entire thing is British sarcasm. In every single version, in the like animated series, in the comics, in the games, like even in the fucking Christopher Nolan Batman films, he's a sarcastic. Yeah. I'm, much, sure I'm much prefer an Alfred that gives a bit of lip back than just the guy that makes a tea. Like I've always preferred that version of the character. The guy, yeah. the old guy, is just a servant that makes a tea. Is not interesting. Like mm. I, I kind of father figure that gives him a bit of lip is far more interesting to me. Give us, give us the injustice version. That's like. The guy who beats the hell out of Superman with a green pill. Give us the version that was a former SES man. I liked like, the line later on when he introduces everyone to Alfred and is like, this is Alfred, I work for him. I, I, yeah, that was funny. I, I feel like it was him not wanting to explain like the actual relationship there, but it made me chuckle. Yeah, it was, it was nice. It's like a another bit of the good humour that was kind of dry in this film rather than the Josh Whedon. Am I right in saying the scene after this um, as the Zack Snyder cameo? Are we there yet? Uh, the oh, the Lois Lane is sad scene. Yeah, um, because yeah. because Lois Lane leaving a cafe with some coffee needs some slow motion in its own its own music piece. Yeah, like, propaganda coming in. Wow. Uh, That's the Zack in the back cameo. If you want to talk about things I don't like in this movie, literally any time Lois Lane's on screen. <laughs> Literally any time. I like Amy Adams. I hate her Lois Lane. Yes, that's exactly it. I don't mind Amy Adams. However, yeah. Lois Lane as a character, I expect to have some amount of like snappy sass to her. You know, like a, a sharpness. There's nothing. Yeah. I feel like Amy Adams is She's too so saccharine. Like even Clark, like even once they're together, Lois Lane still gives Clark shit all the time. We never see that in these movies. They just make doe eyes at each other anytime they're on screen. What I would have done was see when he came back and they ended up at the farm, I would have loved if Lois just slapped him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, straight up, just smacked him across the face. Like, that, you are a, you son of a bitch. You, and then broke down, or like started crying, that kind of thing. That way of like being, you when you're really angry with someone, but you're so glad to see them. Because you're so glad that something wrong hasn't happened. Like, that would have been the way to redeem that character. Is, as you said, by making her the sassy reporter who... I don't think Zack you know. Snyder knows how to do romance on screen. Uh, well, I, I feel like the whole, like, the fact that she's not worked at the Weekly Planet, or the Daily Planet, since, um, since Superman's death, it makes her pretty weak and pretty subservient and pretty... Yes. Ag- shallow. Agreed. And and actually, that's something that is different in the Whedon version. The entire Martha ver- uh, scene... Why did you is, say which, that, by name? the way, we'll, we'll get to the, the Martha scene and the twist there. Um, wait for it. <laughs> the entire Martha scene in the 2017 version is different. They actually meet at the Daily Planet, and Lois is still recovering from the trauma, but she's working. She's just doing puff pieces because she's not ready to get back out there, which I think is fair. It's because Joss Whedon's a feminist. 
we don't, let's not talk let's, about that. Let's not. Whatever talk, your problems talk. with Zack Snyder are, Joss Whedon legitimate problems there. One hundred percent. Yeah, there is. It's a bad day when Joss Whedon writes a female character better than Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> Cyborg man. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Just the the Martha scene though in the Zack Snyder Justice League version. So, like, that definitely wasn't originally supposed to be John Jones, right? Like, obviously, they did that after the fact because they wanted to shoehorn Martian Manhunter in. I think so. I, I think they wanted to actually... For what I read, they wanted to do spoilers for the end, by the way, right? When, when obviously, Martian Manhunter shows up again. Yeah, they wanted they to be John Stewart. Do, yeah, they wanted to do Green Lantern on John Stewart, but yeah. the studio fought him on it, so I think that's why they did Martian Manhunter, and then they went back and retroactively added him into this scene yep. to make it, to give it context, I think. I mean, you could have you could have put him at any point where there was danger in the film, and had like, a character with like red eyes glow. And, like, that would evolve having a superhero in this film, though, like rather than just some god who does things because they want to. There are no superheroes in this film, and John Jones being like Superman-level powers and letting everybody else do the work for four hours. Four yeah. hours. I, I, I did. I did make me wonder where were you when Zod was written down Metropolis? Like, what were you doing? That's something I can agree with, and it's obviously. I mean, it's obviously a product of it being an 11th hour decision. The whole film is a product of it being an 11th hour decision, and it's just an abomination because of it. Sorry, you guys like it, I know that. Alan doesn't like the film, and hopefully he'll have like something different to say at some point in the next hour. Beautiful. I'm just going to take that and, and loop it throughout the entire podcast, it's just the clip of you saying this film is an abomination. <laughs> like, you don't even need to say anything for the rest of the time. Just to go to the toilet. Fun drinking game for the audience. Drink every time Alan says something negative about this film. <laughs> I told him I'm just I'm gonna edit it so that uh, I'm gonna take all of his words. I'm gonna edit them out of context. I love so when it's done at the very version. end, he's gonna be like, I... "Zack Snyder is my <laughs> I mean, daddy." Zaddy or Zaddy? Oh no. So obviously we have like Lois Lane in recovery, um, and then we have you know Batman. Was it flying? So that's when the Wonder Woman scene comes in. Yeah, because right? which we already talked about that. Um, and all and all, I'd say probably on extra to add on top of that conversation would be I love the score. Yeah, yeah. With yeah, one exception, like makes a big difference. I got real tired of ancient lamentation music. I don't know if you guys watched it with subtitles. Every time Amazons or Wonder Woman were on screen, they added that god awful yodeling to the Wonder Woman theme, and um, mm-hmm. the subtitles described it as. Ancient lamentation music. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't have the subtitles on. So yeah, see. that's what <laughs> it was described as. Conan would have loved that. <laughs> yeah, that was alright. That's the only part I didn't like about the score, honestly. It was so loud, by the way, as well. Like it felt as if it would be bass boosted. <laughs> like it was louder than everything else that was yeah. going on. The Wonder Woman scene was the first. Also, the first scene that I kind of really noticed the aspect ratio. Like I was watching it on my projector, so the start didn't really bother me, and there was a few quieter scenes. But that was the first kind of action scene where I was like, "Oh, this this is cutting off a fair amount, and this is quite. I don't know. Like in terms of film, this why would you put that strain on yourself? Like to make it uh, look yeah, like this? I why think not? It was the wrong choice. Yeah, just weird. I got used to that pretty quickly. I definitely think in the case of the inevitable eventual fan edit, someone will cut it down to the widescreen. Someone will come along and do that edit, I'm very sure. And honestly, like, I I get that it was to capture his full vision or whatever. I didn't see any scenes in that movie where we benefited a huge amount from the extra inch on each side. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can think of is the final fight. That's about it. It's really the only bit where I'd say there was any sort of benefit. Maybe, yeah. Apparently, we're also getting a black and white version, which you want to talk about unnecessary. 
this was me scrolling through my phone for the final fight. Like, that's how interested I was, sorry. When you mentioned the final fight, like... Oh, the whole Even the last bit. Yeah, it's terrible. Even the last bit it's of the fight. The special effects, and it's it's that whole shaky camera. I can't tell what's going on. It's just, it's garbage. Are you sure you were watching a wrong version of the film? Because I don't remember that I much shaky camera. I don't remember shaky camera, cam, no. Yeah, <laughs> were you having a stroke midway through? Are we watching, that a, are you watching like a <laughs> I, I don't feel like that final fight was any different from anything you'd get in the third act of an, of an Avengers film. I don't really like them. <laughs> I like superhero films. When it's just punching and punching and laser beams flying everywhere, I'm just like, ah. I was more interested when there was folk talking and stuff. It was better. There just seemed to be too much rubbish acting. Sorry. Is the final two of this film, I feel like, are the best parts of it? Like, I will say, like, the last, like, of course there's bits, obviously, that are need. Like, if they'd split it into half as the, what they were probably gonna, originally going to do, whereas they were split it into two films or right. whatever, or split it into a four-hour miniseries, it feels... Like in like a, a like a TV show where like the first two episodes of a four episode are really slow burns and then everything kicks into gear in the second half. Yeah. Mm. Um. Because for me, the most memorable scenes of the film, aside from the opening, come in that last two hours. Sorry, I know we've moved on, but I was just going to say about the Martian Manhunter scene. That was a deep cut. When we were yeah. when we were watching it, mother half, she's not that up to date with her comic books, and she was like, "Who the f- is this guy? Like, where has he came from, and why is Superman's mum turning into a big green alien? Like, unless you're clued in, that makes no sense. Yeah. Like, whatsoever. Sense whatsoever. Yeah. No setup. There's nothing. And I know that this is the type of film it is because of the the fan hype behind it and the campaign and blah blah. blah. This is a film for the geeks. That's it's for for the hardcore folk. Yeah, but at the same time, there is going to be people that just watch this that just buy a HBO Max subscription. And I've been watching it going, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> Like, exactly. You need, yeah. to, you need to give a back context. You need to set it up somewhat. Even at the end, where they could have had that, like they could have had, like you know, I've been watching for a while, or that kind of thing, or like kind of exposition. Yeah. I mean, it, it made. Like, I did make some. Once you got to the end, and he, he kind of explains who he is, I suppose it kind of makes a bit more sense. But to wait, to expect an audience to wait three plus hours to figure out who that green guy was that they said three years ago, is a bit of an ask. Yeah, <laughs> I think they could have had him show like since he wasn't doing anything anyways. They could have just had him show up in that end scene and. Fine. Why not? I mean, I would have, I would have had him be the one who liaisoned with Silas Stone mm. and um, Joe Roger Tarantino as like a military yeah. thing. Yeah. Because he's a fuck. He's a general. Well, uh, yeah. Like I would have had him be the liaison. Like, oh, like all this stuff's happening. Yeah. Like that would make more sense. Yeah. As he's ruling the film, I know obviously they, they, they just they, they basically cobbled together the film because we're in the middle of COVID and couldn't shoot any news. And budget. I also I mean, think I don't yeah. think yeah budget and stuff. But if. Even in the original version, if they had done that, it would just have made so much more difference to, as you said, the fact that fans would at least be established with this character a little bit more before revealing he's a giant green alien from yeah. Mars. Does the movie move on to Barry or does it move on to Vic? I, can't I think we get to Flash next. I think, think it's Barry yeah, next, yeah. which... Yeah, we do. Another yeah. scene that I can absolutely see why they excised from the Whedon version. This caused a storm on Twitter, by it, the way. Because it it's hard. so creepy? Or? What, because of the Ezra Miller scandal? No. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Ian finish as to what the scene actually was. No, I, I know why. That scene just doesn't really add anything. I mean, theoretically, it introduces Iris West, but she never even gets named. If you don't already know who that's supposed to be, she's just some chick. Yeah. People people really had a big problem with Ezra Miller caressing her face, which is completely justifiable. Yeah, that um, was right. weird. There was a, right. Yeah, yeah, that is people, weird. People, yeah, I did think that at the time. Like, I was on Twitter and people were like, I, watching the flash in this film is making me violently uncomfortable she was also basically yeah. um, like undressing him with her eyes as she was walking by the entire thing was weird like the, mm. yeah it was a weird like 
Like, if, if, if it made sense of, like, oh, hi, Iris. Yeah. If they established like, some honestly, sort of previous put- relationship between the two, like, they knew each other from, I don't know, maybe they both go to school together or something, since we've established that Barry's trying to pay for a criminal justice degree, maybe she's in the journalism program and they've worked together on a project. It's actually three lines. It would be, hi, Iris, how are you? Or like Bob Pat, like it would have made so much What's the more. third line? Just, yeah. What's oh. your third line? Bye. Harvest Bond in this movie. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Um, you know what I mean? The hot dog, <laughs> though, guys. The hot dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. I somewhat, I somewhat want to circle back to what Alan was saying earlier about Zack Snyder's lack of understanding or lack of scope in terms of some characters. I think this version of The Flash is already very much a basement dwelling nerd. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I, I wonder if somewhat the idea that someone like that that has their own like kind of wee secret set up and is super smart and he's kind of like a bit awkward the fact that he could have a relationship with a woman is maybe a bit too much of a stretch for Zack Snyder which is why he was like oh this is the scene where like he uses his powers to get the girl because he's too much of an awkward nerd I don't know I, I feel except like, he ran away I feel like that's really limiting <laughs> the character yeah and, and, um, I yeah I like I'm very conflicted about Barry Allen in this movie because I like some of the things that they have Barry Allen do, but I don't like the way they portray him as a character. Does I that make sense? I, I hate it. Like I like I like the idea of Barry Allen being slightly neurotic. I mean, and being a bit scatterbrained. The idea like his like his neurons are firing so quickly. Yeah, that's fine. Like, that's fine. But the, they go to such extremes with this in this film that I feel like the, it's almost like as. Alan said, which I know I'm, I'm agreeing with you on something, Alan. Like, hell, my over. Um, the the. Uh, I mean, I agree with Alan on a lot like of stuff. The, I just feel like I have to challenge yeah, no, him sometimes. It's, yeah, it's very true. I in a way, I I, I the same as well. But just just in, in terms of what you mentioned about kind of cannon fodder and people being characters, I feel like they mess up Barry's character in that respect of being he's yeah. too neurotic yeah. and he's too at, much as Dan said. Yeah, it really reduces the character. At I least think. in this version of the movie, he actually does something. I really. Speaking uh, of things I don't yeah. like about the mm. Whedon version, they neutered just the Flash in the Whedon version. I've never done battle. I just push people and run away. Mm-hmm. And this version, you know, common sense. He's at least competent to a certain extent yeah. in this version. Yeah. He he has skill. He can do things. He has some agency. I find Ezra Miller insufferable in everything he's in. Agreed. So I hate I hate this version of the character. And I also I've hate... I've not seen him in a lot, to be honest. I also hate the fact that he's just totally reduced to the the new guy like they done they kind of done the same thing we Peter Parker in the Avengers films mm-hmm. but it worked because it allowed us to get a young Peter Parker without like we were saying earlier having to show the origin again right whereas here whereas here we just get the new kid that's kind of been taken under Batman's wing for no real reason like he's just found him and he's just went to his gaff and threw a battery at him and all of a sudden oh I'm, I'm your new dad <laughs> like what I think it, I think it actually comes from the scene in Batman vs Superman because Assumably, Bruce having that creepy vision, and he looks at someone. He's like, "Hmm, that suit looks kind of familiar," or like whatever. Like, I feel like maybe that's what they kind of try and insinuate. Don't directly state, but it's like that's always something. Both in this cut and the original cut, that's something that I've always thought is a pure clearing issue. But we were saying earlier, right? What Alan was saying about Batman being the smartest guy and one of the smartest guys in comics. How does he not recognize him? Right. Like, he has a beard and a bad well, And they, they mentioned it somewhere so later in the movie. He's like, Barry <laughs> Allen stood right there and appeared yeah, to me and said yeah. a thing. Yeah, they do. They do, yeah. actually. Yeah, okay. Which, so they yeah, did get a fact. Which is why that. I think, yeah. which actually probably makes more sense to the point you made about him being 
like brought under Bruce Wayne's win mm-hmm. kind of thing because he knows that he has to keep Barry alive. Yeah. I mean, talk about, we were saying earlier about how Martian Matter was pure out of nowhere. I suppose that was the same thing in, in BVS when Flash showed up yeah. with that, that vision that was so out of nowhere and it was, there was no setup. And even folk like me that know comics was like, what is this? Why is this included? What? Well, it, it didn't help that they had him in some weird freaking future suit that looked nothing like the Flash's costume. So you're like, I, I don't I don't yeah. understand. What, it'd be different if they, he like appeared and he was on the cosmic treadmill and you're like, oh, I know that. But instead, you just actually that just includes some weird things, like yeah. And, and see, I so I got very used to I, up until the most like recent season. I watched all of the CW Flash TV show, which has its own myriad of problems. Mm-hmm. But I got very used to the Grant Gustin version of Barry Allen, who is not entirely similar to his comic book counterpart, but much closer um, than Ezra Miller yeah. will ever be. I mean, that version of the Eshamar version shows up in the TV yeah, show briefly yeah, in, in Crisis right. on in, Infinite Earths. In Crisis, and the idea that's insinuated is that he gets his name, yeah, from that version, right. of which Barry I thought Allen was kind of funny. The Flash, yeah, it was, it was like it was like hard, but like you think of the implications for that, like, like oh yeah, where'd you get your name? Me. Uh, yeah, some just dude. I me. met myself from an alternate world, and I guess mm. he was more creative than me, so he already thought of a name, and so now that's my name too, John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Let's go get brunch. Yeah, they also insinuated as well through that episode that that version of the G8 just got wiped out in Crisis. Also, another note I have on the Flash scene is as if Zack Snyder needed another excuse for slow-mo reintroduce a character that can move faster than the speed of light. (laughs) As if we needed to give him another reason to do slow-mo. Right. Like, come on. (laughs) Right. I was a big fan of the window-breaking scene. I liked that. Just the dash to pick it. Yeah. Just breaking the window with Yeah, it was cool looking. There was a lot of cool looking stuff in this movie. It's the one time I've seen in a film where folk don't look at the road and there's consequences because generally speaking, folk are having an entire conversation looking at each other driving and I'm sitting watching it with a fear, like actually going, Look at the road! Oh my god. Yeah, I that was that was <laughs> it happens twice. That was so ham-fisted, like the guy reaching down for his hammer. You're about to come up to a stoplight. Just wait until you stop at the red light, reach down, yeah. and get your burger. He's hungry! I mean, yeah. Like, as Alan was saying, like, yeah, like, it just... Yeah, the idea of, like, that happening where, like, two people talk and has consequences happens again with Cyborg. Just talking to his mom, and just get... It happens to you twice in the... Zack Snyder clearly is also... Think, did we skip over that Or is that next? Like, Cyborg's the... What did you say, Dana? Sorry? I've just seen... Have we, have we touched on the Aquaman scene yet? We bombed before? Have we... Have we passed that already, or is that next? We'll get there. That's right before... Um, the... That whole thing is right before they fight Steppenwolf for the first time. Oh, really? Yeah. After yes. Cyborg? Okay, okay. Yeah, because you get the Cyborg scene, which um, I was a big fan of after the Barry one. I've, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was probably one of the best introductions to a character in the whole entire film. I know, Alan, you said earlier you're not a big fan of... Yeah, uh, that, is team, that is the character. That is the character. I know that. Issues, right? like, but... I've read Teen Titans and whatnot. Like, I, I love the character of Cyborg. Yeah. I just don't necessarily see why he has to be such or so unlikable. I was going to call him a dick, but you know, he's at every point in that film, he was just like he showed up and he was like, F- the world or something." And I was like, "Okay, edgy teenager guy." Like, I don't really give a f- anymore. Like, that's the arc in his movie, though. Is he starts out very self-pitying and, in his exact words, f- the world, and then at the very end, you have him being like, "No, like I." I no, I, I know. Like, I, I actually noted that he's, he reminded me of Quasimodo when he was hiding in his tower with his cloak on. He was like Quasimodo. Yeah. Uh, so that 
I think that was I, I feel like that's intentional I also feel like that was them saving money on CGI in a lot of ways because <laughs> ah, the CGI was ropey oh, the cyborg CGI was kind of dire oh, terrible very it's copy. terrible and that's probably another reason why I couldn't be bored with him because everything on screen it was just like looks awful sounds awful he's got to go a long way that's he, a he looked like uh, he looks like a, a really kind of bad version of the Michael Bay Transformers. He looked like a Cylon from the most yeah, recent Battlestar right Galactica. Like, and not as good. It looked like he was made of crumpled up tinfoil. <laughs> Something that I also noted, I, I didn't know whether it was fair to compare, keep comparing us to, like, Marvel, but I wrote, because I wrote down that obviously, Cy- I mean, I think it is fair because Cyborg is somewhat similar to Vision. Like, the way that Vision is getting a finished stone, is he cyborgs made for the mother box. Mother box. So he's he's inherently tied to this like MacGuffin, this plot device. Mm-hmm. Um, and and following One Division, which was a TV show, to like this is technically a movie. The CGI after after seeing the CGI is on the work they've done with Paul Bettany and that to then see this, it's just such a step down visually. I think. Yeah. The scene, the scene where he was like he was narrating and he was going through like the mad the vision type thing and he was like seeing all that stuff. That reminded me of the Doctor Manhattan scene for for Watchmen somewhat. Like the kind of landscape he was in and the wandering aspect of it and the kind of ominous score and I don't know, it just it put me back to the Manhattan scene and, and Yeah, kind of similar. But yeah, I didn't hate everything they did with Cyborg. I definitely think he got a fairer shake than he did in the Whedon version, for sure, one way or another. Yeah, certainly more of him, but um, he got more stuff to do. That, I mean, he had a story in this yeah. version, is really what it comes down to. In the Whedon version, he is fully a plot device, more or less. And I think that was, uh, unfortunately, uh, Josh Whedon's entire fault. You know, yeah. came out with the own refresher. Yeah. But him being yeah. very... Like racist stuff like that, and there's a bunch of like very disconsiderate towards yeah. them. And there was lots of stuff implied, and I, and I feel like that was just so unlike. Because see if that like just League 2017, uh, if that had that whole cyborg sequence in it, would have probably just been immediately. My point, yeah, immediately. Just because we have exploit. Because like I get obviously the whole flash thing. Like we even get a wee. Obviously we get an extended version, which you could technically cut out and you would be fine. Um, but if they'd literally just added that cyborg thing, which is maybe what ten. 15 minutes, and he's a major plot device in this film, and it makes sense a lot of the failings of a lot of other cut of the film because they took out a lot of the stuff that Cyborg does that's important. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, we definitely they definitely handled Cyborg better than the 2017 film. Yeah. So at that point, I mean, we've got you kind of have everyone get together. You've got most of the team assembled at this point. I guess it's three of them, yeah. and uh, at this point, we kind of we kind of the next big set piece, I'd say. I don't know if we need to go scene by scene necessarily going through the rest of the movie. We're already at about an hour. Um, But we can go through kind of the set pieces and all that. So the next major set piece is when they go to rescue the Star Lab scientists from the sewers under Strikers Island in that bay that connects Gotham and Metropolis, apparently. Um, Before that, we get to see James Gordon, which I am so sad we don't get to see more of J.K. Simmons' Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, he's always good. I actually really like yeah. that casting, and I wish we got more of that. It's so brief. It's so brief. I don't understand how Wonder Woman, Batman, and Cyborg all disappear without Barry Allen noticing. Yeah. Uh, I feel like... <laughs> yeah. For the fastest mile. Yeah, I feel like huh? that was there just for the giggles of it. Again, showing the new kid thing. I've been like, oh, I don't get how this works yet. If, if, anyone, if anyone was going to disappear, surely it should have been Flash. Well, yeah. and I... Honest to God, I I thought that the oh they they really do just disappear. That's rude. And also the that's your bat signal. It's your thing. 
I would have sworn on the grave of my forefathers that those were Whedon rewrites. I was really surprised they weren't. They had that same level of like, again, oh, ha ha, what a joke. Yeah. Again, I feel like it's, it's Zack Snyder's thing of, okay, I need something light in this film. Let's take this Flash and make him the, the light bit of the film and have have him with all the stupid kind of kiddie jokes or whatever kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So we have, the, we have them going down to the sewer. The biggest difference here I mentioned before is the way they treat the Flash instead of him needing a pep talk from Bruce and being like, I don't really do battle. I just push people and run away. He just does his thing. He doesn't need a pep talk. I appreciate that. He just reacts, um, which is better than what they did with him in the 2017 version. Otherwise, I mean, it's a fight scene. I just, I, do you guys have much to say about it? Because I, I don't really. I think got a few things of like, like I think we could already covered, like they removed the scene where the Flash trips and falls into Wonder Woman's yeah. breast, which was really awkward, and and Gal Gadot refused to do that scene, stunt double, and rightly so, and it's just so so weird. much it's effort to like to have yeah. such a bad scene. Um, <laughs> and they took out the stupid thing where Flash like like blitzes through a parademon and gets covered in oh, blood, yeah. and and, and that's like okay, that's that yeah, you know, it's a removal. Um, I think as well the the interrogation of Silas Stone. Yes, well, mm-hmm. um, is kind of important and makes sense now in the film. Um, I know Alan, you obviously hate this film anyway, but you you have to admit that it's a this bit at least clarifies something. I don't remember the 2017 version at all. Like I remember tiny little bits from it. I don't remember the plot. I don't remember what where it started and where it progressed to. I don't remember any of this. I don't remember Silas being in most of that film. I'll be honest with you. It wasn't. That's the thing. A lot, there's a lot of yeah, scenes I mean, in it that are... Which is good, because that like guy's a yeah, brilliant actor. good actor. But yeah, for me, I just... This entire thing was unnecessary. Like, uh, I wish it would just die. Clarifying things from a film that I didn't So in care case about. you missed it, Alan didn't like this movie. I think, other than that, the big thing that leads off of this fight, uh, like, after that, is that where we discover the whole Anatolyph equations thing? Yeah. yeah. Um, shortly... What is that? After this is also where Aquaman finally joins up with everyone for the first time. He shows up to keep everyone from friggin' drowning in a tunnel like a bunch of rats. So there's that. Oh, the Aquaman scene with Volko. Oh, yeah, but but the trident and stuff and Mom Defoe and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. What? Listen, the trident is four prompt. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Why why did they do the weird top bubbles again? I thought we got over that. Like I thought we fixed that. I thought James Wan sorted that in the Aquaman film. Why did they have these dumb bubbles that they all talk in? Like how annoying would that be in practical terms if you were in Atlantean? Every time you want to speak to somebody, hold on. I mean, right? I take the take the budget tonight. Right, cool. The, the answer is why because they already that? filmed it and did the CGI is why they still had that. Honestly, it's just it's it's awkward and weird. Later on, that that's a cool mechanic that kind of comes into play with the whole meta scene. Um, uh, how they do the air bubbles there? That's true because she uses I, it. I, I, in hate, a, I hate the air bubbles. She uses it in a practical sense in combat, but you could argue that that's just because that's what Mira's that's her power powers, set yeah. is. But I know what also, uh, I know what, what Alan's what, what, problem with this scene is if he wants to. Uh, expunge on it a little bit. Uh, I mean... Was it the accent? I just remember not liking anything about any of this, so specific moments, I just remember it was like, did we need to have another scene where they were like, you're like, you're Aragorn, please take up your mantle as the king and lead us and blah blah blah. Also trident, five prongs or whatever, it's like... Nick Cave blaring over the background. 
I mean, this is the this is the first scene we really get the whole king of Atlantis, um, reluctant king. Yeah, and this could have been honestly, if this had been the only scene where they kind of do some expository stuff on that, that would have been fine. Plus, that would have been less Amber Heard in this film, which I'm fine with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Less of that accent. Did they redub her? Yeah, less of that. I, I think so. It I, felt like yeah, it, right? It, must it have, felt like it wasn't as they, they must. Have, it wasn't yeah. as egregious in the the original cut. Like I didn't notice it yeah. to the same extent. It felt it felt like a redub, and and I think that could have been because obviously most of those scenes are CGI. Yeah. Um, heavily related, so it could have been that they just redubbed it in post when they were fixing all the CGI for that. But I think um, I think they should though, like we were saying how Deborah is Alan saying, and I agree, like Deborah include this scene about him again shunning the throne and all that. But yeah, it was a weird but thing. I think it's easy to forget that it's because of the 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 schedule, the the sort of release slate of this film. This is before Aquaman, but Aquaman yeah. came out two three years ago, so it's like. We've seen it all, and we know the thing with his brother, and we've we've all seen that and sat like, through if that. You watch so it, it if feels you watch it with a retrospective lens, then it makes sense, as you said, Dan. But like, if you don't, and you watch it from a modern view, it's like, yeah, we already all know this yeah. stuff, and we know. And and the, and the weird thing about it is, like, I think if they're gonna have William Defoe in the film, they could have utilized him better. Oh yeah, Do you know what I mean, it 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 could have been less about taking up the throne and more. We know something's coming. They would, I, I probably think I would have rather had him be that kind of thing. Rather be him instead of like. I think that's the thing as well, man. Like, j- just kind of more generally, see when you look at the cast for this film, the amount of names is insane, and the amount of talent involved is crazy. Like Willem Dafoe, Jerry Myers, like just there's so many names that you're yeah. like, these are all top tier actors, thespians that have been doing this for years, and this feels like so it feels like so much wasted potential. Like I don't know, it just imagine how much you could actually do with this talent. And see what you're saying there. See what you're saying there about wasted talent. How many people in this were there just for the exposition dump? How many scenes where we just had someone giving us like some big, you know, soliloquy or whatever of of just like yeah, right, we get it. He's he's the king of Atlantis, or you know, Wonder Woman giving us the whole story. We like the we're going to get to it, obviously, but like how this happened was it five thousand years before and giving us I just didn't care. I just didn't care. It was just a lot of folk telling me a lot of stuff and I was just like, eh. you didn't need most of this. You didn't need Willem Dafoe to show up and go, but we need you to take up the mantle, Arthur. Yes. Yeah, totally. Two things. So I just looked up the Aquaman scene on YouTube and first of all, no, Amber Heard did not have an accent in the original version. Second thing okay. is in the original 2017 version, we go straight from Arthur rescuing the fishermen to going down to Atlantis and then Steppenwolf taking the box and then him talking to Mira. That's just all one, that's all a scene, as opposed to in this version where he saves the fisherman, he goes down to Atlantis, he talks to Volko, he goes off, he joins up with the Justice League. Later on, he goes back to Atlantis and then Steppenwolf steals the box. And like, yeah, that could have been streamlined. Again, like, it's it's, it's, so much you cut out of this film to make it less than four hours and make it two and a half. Maybe two. Um, I think Dan, you sent something to chat um, that we were all in, and it was the funny. It was the funny thing about how there's that meme of, of uh, Zack Snyder and Henry Cavill. It's like you promised the fans uh, you've yeah. only got like two hours and twenty six minutes footage. You promised the fans four hours. How much unnecessary slow mo can we get away with? There's no legal right. limit on it. Like there is so much it can be cut. I, I feel like the the kind of the plot device of like this kind of box hunt 
that um, Stephen Wolf is on already feels like a video game fetch quest that goes on too long. <laughs> and and I mean, and this movie, which is already four hours long, it just it, it drags it out more. I think somewhat. At least we had the context now of the anti-life equation being involved. Well, that was that was a big thing. I really. Well, that was good. I don't think that it's that it's totally unnecessary. I don't think it's wholly unnecessary the fetch quest, but I feel like in an ideal world, if this had been a miniseries or if this had been sort of a series of films, that could have been explained separately from this this team up film. It just it drags mm. I think it drags a bit of the kind of the spectacle of it out of it. I for mean, me. I, I just that is the plot though that's the reason he's there i don't see how you get rid of that or shuffle it off to the side without losing something major no no i'm not saying get rid of it but i don't know i mean if they if they planned it out better they could have done it in either another film or i don't know they could have just i feel like they could have handled it better rather than just kind of making the whole like massimo was saying earlier that's what makes the first half of this film inferior because it's it's all about that and it's just it's like right we need i felt like you were having to watch that to get to the good stuff you were having to eat the fat to get to the meat i felt like with that that kind of stuff i happen to like the fat on steaks <laughs> <laughs> me too you that's my favorite but, you're both it's more like you had to uh you had to eat your you had to eat your vegetables to get to the dessert i like veggies i like dessert yeah <laughs> i like all of the above I like food this is we getting off get topic. <laughs> yeah, we should. Yeah, I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> I mean, there, that's kind of the thing is once we're at this point and everyone's kind of all together, the rest of this movie does kind of go at a breakneck pace. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the, the bit where they have Victor come in and they explain that the, where the mother box came right. from. It makes a lot more sense that it was found by the Nazis. Yeah, it's always Nazis. Um, like, I feel like that's, yeah, I think that's one of the things that's very cohesive about the whole thing in total is that we can, you can keep track of the mother box. You know what it yeah. is. Like, uh, like the first one, it's all over the place. The original cut, it's but, all over the place as to who has it and what's going on with it. I, I just, okay. Ancient human kings, right? Their best idea was to just bury the box in some dirt. Oh my god, that scene. <laughs> I mean, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that, yeah. Did, did we skip over that, actually. We just skipped over the whole battle scene. I mean, um, it's no, the it's the only difference between that and the 2017 version is it's Lil Dark Side instead of Steppenwolf. And we get we get a, a Green Lantern ring fly off. Uh, that was in the 2017 version. It was just quicker. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, but burying it in a shallow grave. Do you know what I mean? If, if they've not seen a Danny Boyle film, it's not going to work. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just. Yeah, I mean the I mean the ancient kings, Alan. So I feel like you forgive. There's me. no excuse for not seeing Shallow Grave. They were very they were short term thinking there, and also Shallow Grave is great, but. I, I was gonna say I think I think the issue with that was that it's like all the cultures decided to do it yeah. their way. The Amazonians built this amazing, beautiful structure and put it in there, and then kept it in like blocked. The in Atlanteans there in put it deep underwater, and man was like, <laughs> "Yeah, this is what my dog <laughs> does. And it seems to work." <laughs> right, I know, I know what the Atlanteans are doing. And we know what the Amazons are doing. Can you, could you guys want to sack this off and go pillage some villages? Uh, just stuck it home. Yeah. <laughs> we should we should cut that clip of Massimo saying just stick it in the hole. That could come in useful later. <laughs> just stick it in the hole. Um, genuinely. At this point, we kind of rocket through to they kind of they talk about you know the the mother box, the change machine, the changes matter, and they decide well maybe it can bring Superman back to life, which is a different vibe in the 2017 version. Bruce Wayne is like the house. We gotta bring him back to life, and Diana's like, no, <laughs> what's wrong with you? Oh, Al- Alfred serves that role though. Alfred serves that role in the film where he's like, "Yeah, you 
probably a bad idea to... And then rolls his eyes and, and drinks a gin and, and says like, something snidey under his breath. Yeah. Sorry, man. Just love it. I, I don't um, think he does that as much as you think he does. I think I think you really just hate this film so <laughs> yeah, much that everything's probably, out of proportionality. Probably. You, you know what I did think was kind of a funny scene that didn't need to be in the film, but I, I sort of enjoyed it anyways. Um, Alfred teaching Diana how to make tea. <laughs> I actually argue that that was important because that's when we see how Batman isn't useless in the fight against Superman because we see he has energy gauntlets, which means he doesn't get completely vaporized. I mean, yes, the like, scene as a whole was important. I mean, just specifically the tea part. Yeah. Ah, it was nice. Yeah. I liked it. Um, awesome. Yeah, I mean, um, we, we kind of rock it through to, you know, going to the ship, clearing everyone out. Um, that would, uh, that's why I say it was probably the, when they have the bet where obviously they're digging yeah. up Superman, um, it makes sense why the Flash is using super speed because it's out of respect. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like something I'm glad they kind of they kind of emphasize in this film, and then also have that scene with Diana and Arthur, where they kind of they realize their cultures aren't so different. Which again, uh, lots of exposition and dialogue, but kind of makes their relationship. It removes that stupid lasso of uh, scene, but Aquaman yeah. sits on it, um, yeah. and that's how those characters come together because she sees this man; and he's actually kind of nice to her. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's like our cultures aren't so different. Yeah, than I. A better way of dealing with it. When when we just circling back to the scene where they're all together in the, the hangar or whatever it is see when, uh, see when uh, Aquaman said to Cyborg do you talk to machines was that a callback to I heard you talk to fish or was I, re- was I reaching <laughs> I mean I feel like it couldn't have really been given the sequence of how the film was written and filmed yeah I mean I would I just felt we didn't probably stole that line from Snyder and put it with a different yeah, yeah <laughs> quite possibly yeah prob- that's that more likely, more likely yeah. it but it did remind me of that I talk to intelligence. So I mean, we we bring Superman back to life. We have we have that was a great scene. Yeah, by it was, the way. I mean that was pretty cool. We get uh, Cyborg yeah. gets a brief glimpse of the nightmare. Yeah, which was weird, but okay. Just I was all I can say is I feel like they handled the way in which the Flash actually does it. Like you get to see obviously foreshadows right. the end of the film because you see Barry reverse time mm-hmm. slightly, which is like because he explained like, everything was a bit wobbly. I'm not. It's not great. Um, but you see that, and it feels a lot better than because I watched the original scene afterwards, and it's the idea like they just do a yeah. countdown and it just gets dropped. I, although I watched it twice, it flashes by so quickly that scene with the vision, um, the the nightmare vision that Cyborg has. See when Superman is like cradling the burnt person, is that Batman? Is that, it's a, is that Final Crisis reference? Oh, it's Lois. Lois. Yeah. Right, okay, because Lois is the key. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then you see Kilowog in that. That's scene the as scene well. where the Hall um, of Justice. What would have happened is Lois was in the Batcave and then Darkseid shows up and kills her and Batman didn't act quick enough and so she's dead and that's why Superman says, I'm going to kill the whole world. Which doesn't really make sense. I actually thought it was a callback to Final Crisis with Superman cradling Batman after the, the Darkseid part in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, it, may, could, it could well be, but it could just be the replaced yeah. Lois yeah. with Batman. Um, also, Henry Cavill's lip looks glorious in this film. Like, yeah, it looks it. so much, so much better. Lack of stash, <laughs> lack of super stash is great. It's so good. Yeah, the the scene where Superman touches down the the memorial and he's not quite there, and they all have to fight him. More or less the same, except for a slight difference in his interaction with Batman. In that we're missing. Batman doesn't look like a fool. We're missing any actual physical interaction with them. It's all just laser eyes. Uh, Superman doesn't say anything, and we don't have that stupid "something's definitely bleeding" line. I was gonna say I don't. I felt like they made Batman look less of a chump. Yeah. 
because they gave him the energy gauntlets and was able to deflect everything and actually made him and like made him like less stupid because in that scene as well like after that scene like Batman says oh yeah I brought loads yeah. on as to his, as an insurance policy which doesn't really make any sense and then this one they actually do a nice natural way of doing it where she's just out to get coffee and it's the last time she's right. in his grave and then yeah and it makes more sense overall um I was surprised that the you should probably move line was oh still in there. That's uh, such a bad uh, line. The cyborg stops the truck and you should probably move. Yes. Oh, I hate that line. And that, the fact that he kept that, I was like, oh no. Immediately after when he takes Lois and they go back to the farm, first of all, another set of scenes that I just don't care about. But a, a, a big difference in line reads is when they're standing in the cornfield instead of, you smell good, did I not before? It's you spoke and he said did i not before and i figured out the reason that they changed that line in the whedon version is that line wouldn't make sense on account of his whole you didn't let me live you won't let me die line when he's fighting batman he did speak so they can't have that line so instead they had to replace it with you smell good (laughs) yeah great like couldn't they just have cut both lines like saying you smelled it to a guy who's been buried for (laughs) three Four months at this point, maybe yeah. six at a push. I think they actually give us—they give us a specific time frame at some point, at the beginning of the movie, of how long it's been. Um, I forget how long though. It's been like a couple of months. Too long, too long for the cops to be smelling good at any. Yeah, uh, not long enough for a mullet. Clearly, I—I I don't care about the rest of these scenes. Clark and Lois make googly eyes at each other. As I said, I feel like the only one of impact is when Ma Kent comes. Ma Kent, and he's like, "They need me." That's with that. Oh, sorry, sorry. That was yeah. that was my camp. That wasn't. But, you imagine, that was George but, but I did. Next time, he flies away, and she just has little red eyes. <laughs> but I did wonder. I was like, well, what if, what if, like, uh, Lois brings up the conversation that they had, like, oh, how's your? You were saying about the house, but I had second thoughts. So, like, what if she brought up something for that conversation? And and, and right, Martha's like, what are you, what are you talking? When about? did we talk about that? I didn't tell you about that. Yeah. Yes, dear. Yes. I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Um, and as I said, that scene would have made so much better if, as I, as I already previously stated, Super Lois just smacked Superman yeah. in the face. I would have enjoyed that. And was like, you, you you're son of idiot, a bitch. But I love you. In the original yeah. cut, like you're, yeah. was this when we got the Jonathan Kent scene on the mountain? When he yes. talks to his dad? Because that was... No, that's sorry. BBS. Yeah, yeah. Is that BBS? BBS. All right, yeah, okay. BBS, okay. okay. These movies tend to blend. In this one, we have, he goes to the <laughs> Superman ship to get his costume and we hear a mixture of... Jonathan and Jor-El talking to him, saying things that actually make sense for them to say instead of, I don't know, don't save people. Who cares? <laughs> um, this actually kind of fixes, I think, some of the issues that the, the Man of Steel Superman Retroactively. Has. In some way. Yeah, and then he, he um, picks his black suit because death of Superman? No explanation. I wish, I wish they, they maybe explain it as this is like a morning garb for like Kryptonians. Um, if they, what they could have done is had him still beat everyone's ass when he comes back to life but he's not quite full power and so the black suit is a like a, a solar absorption suit right. black mm-hmm. absorbs heat yeah. just like we get it's cool but at the same time it did look like, cool I, I the black suit looked amazing it looks really it cool it so good. Uh, <clears throat> yeah it looked all right <laughs> come on <laughs> we what <laughs> there we go positive clap it time stop clap it you could, I bet you could, you could probably take screenshots from a movie if he'd never seen it before and show it to Alan, and he'd be like, "Yeah, that looks cool," without context. Yeah, yeah without context is, is, yeah, looks nice. But knowing what I know about what what that film happened, I was like, <sighs> also, Death of Superman 
is up there with Dark Knight Returns as being just not good. Like, I don't like it. I don't like it. So, shoehorning all this into, like, the second worst film of all time, I mean, and now having to deal with it in the worst film of all time, it's it's not doing anything for my blood pressure. I, I, I will always... I will always continue to disagree with you that The Dark Knight Returns isn't I, good. I'm However, I know that. Death of Superman is definitely indicative of 90s. the yeah. 90s in a big way. Yeah. It's it's a garbage story. Yeah, Death of Superman's poor. I think I was I I, I feel like I I, would... I feel like the issue with and not to get too off topic, I feel like the issue with The Dark Knight Returns is less The Dark Knight Returns itself and more the impact it had on the character going oh, forward. Oh yeah, look at and how it's been kind of misappropriated in the interpretation. I mean, my problem was with the actual work. Like, I read that when I was in my 30s. Like, I never read it as a teenager or whatever. Like, I read The Dark Knight Returns in my 30s, and I was just like, what is this? Absolute bull****. Like, I just was not feeling it whatsoever, and I will never feel it because it's just not for me. But, yeah, it really infected Batman for the next forever. Like, every interpretation now has to be Batman is just an insufferable dick. Yeah. It's a lot of interpretations going forward are definitely colored by that. Yeah. This one included. Yeah. yeah. Batman was definitely yeah. less of a dick in this movie. Overall. Less. Yeah. yeah, definitely less. It's not hard though. <laughs> um, he didn't. It felt. It felt more. He felt more like more like a Batman you would see in the comics, where he has the occasional what he. He technically didn't kill anyone aside sense. from one parademon. <laughs> but it, it felt. Yeah, I know it's that. But it felt more. Like an actual follow-on from the version that we saw in BVS, as opposed to what the 2017 cut did. Oh, definitely. That felt so disconnected I... from the character that we'd just seen murdering 20 odd guys with a Batmobile to then like the the something's definitely bleeding line. Like that felt so far apart. Whereas this felt a bit more. Although you're saying that he's not as much yeah. of a dark murderer, he is still closer to that version than what we got for Justice League. I mean, the 2017 version of the yeah. film obviously went out of its way to distance itself from BVS as much as possible due to the WB mandate and the poor reaction that BVS had. So uh, yeah. that was by design, um, for sure. Are we at the scene with the uh, last mother box with Silas yet? Um, like scene. Right, so Steppenwolf shows up after Superman gets resurrected and goes to take the last mother box. Yep. Silas squirrels it away into a little glass box, turns on a laser, and disintegrates himself. It looked phenomenal, though. That scene, I just that was, was probably my favourite visual of the whole film. I mean, we've kind of seen it before in Watchmen with Doctor Manhattan. It very much reminded me of that effect. It looked pretty. But neat. it looks, it was, looks awesome. Yeah. I was gonna say like the idea of like of, like Victor like actually being like a character that has a character that has emotional weight. Like when his father dies, I felt like that was a really kind of nice, not nice, but like a really good piece it was of important. development because like he, yeah, he now has something he kind of realizes the scope of, of what's yeah. happening and that's something we um, didn't get in the 2017 version we never get that death scene mm -hmm. yeah. which because he survives the whole film and at the end you get that weird like nice reunion thing even though it's not really earned but, as you said half of the stuff that would have made that reunion earned is right. in the film it's kind of one of the most or it's the most overused superhero trope though right is somebody dies and that's what makes somebody realize can you can you imagine though if that is how you learned all your lessons like you'd have nobody left I hated the fact that Silas had to die. I mean, like, I don't have any friends anyway, obviously, but I hated the fact that Silas died, and it was just... Certainly don't after this podcast. I, yeah, well, that's why I'm in disguise. But uh, it was just, again, just like, oh, this guy has to die so that this guy learns a lesson. It's just like, 
how many times and I'm not talking about in general I'm talking about we're gonna fridge films, everyone yeah, in these films it's just like please stop to be fair though that is more of a storytelling trope in general I don't think you can just direct that at superhero films that goes back that goes back to the bible like the prodigal son story my problem is, that, my problem is like, not this, this has been used in stories for years happening. like it happens all the time it's a trope and it's a trope that's usually used to good effect but it's just like I'm, I'm it's in this movie, it. so it's bad. Yeah, well, that is that is part of it as well. Yeah, I just hated the whole scene. Like, I just I'm watching it. I'm going, oh, good. Another person close to the hero has to die, so that he becomes less of an insufferable dick. Like, just everybody in this film is super dark and super edgy, and it was just like, can, is anybody See, in this film reason? I didn't I mean, feel like this feel film like was that Star miserable, Wars. especially compared to its two four. Just the guy's dad dying, so that he becomes the hero. Yeah. Like, <laughs> once again, like. Aside from when we get to the end, that part's a little miserable. This was four hours of hell for me, like which I think you're probably getting. Uh, yeah, no, I think we get that uh, impression. Um, the rest of this, I think, I mean, most of the rest of this, I think we can kind of rush through. I mean, you have your big final battle with Steppenwolf. They have to separate the mother boxes. Superman shows up at the nick of time, has the much relatively better line instead of, I'm a big fan of truth. And justice. I feel like him coming in and stopping the action. Yeah, the stopping the action, just um, being like, I'm not impressed. Did she so much the Russian family though? No. Oh, oh such a, such an important. Dostoevsky. <laughs> no, I didn't miss that. Um, Honestly, do, do you know what sucked? And this isn't the film's fault, technically. See, after seeing, I didn't love Aquaman, by the way, right? But see, after seeing the suit. And Aquaman, the gold top and the green pants and the and how well Jason Momoa pulled that off. She seen him back in his kind of crappy brown suit. I was like, oh, this this doesn't look as nice. I mean, that's not the film's fault, but it just. You know what occurred to me a lot in that film? They suit up really fast. You have scenes where they're like in their civvy clothes going somewhere, and then next scene they're all in their costumes. Like when they're going to the uh, to the Superman ship to resurrect Superman, you've got Barry talking to arthur when he's trying on hats and arthur's like wearing a coat and jeans and then they drive into the area and he's in his full armor where'd he get changed telephone box he's a fresh man <laughs> or um the other thing is they all ride so victor fixes the troop carrier right so it can fly and they all fly to russia to meet steppenwolf yep. i like to think about what that plane ride was like right uh like because even like on the fastest air hours? travel that's still like a 10 hour flight <laughs> yeah just a lot of naps, yeah. I think. That... <laughs> I mean, like, the idea is like, okay, we're going to stop him now. Wake me up. Just uh, all of them sitting <laughs> yeah. in the plane, just... That's his first spin-off comic. Yeah, just like, what happened on the ship? <laughs> what happens in the ship stays on the ship. So, uh, wow. bats, right? Where'd that come from? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a weird thing. It's like, another bat that could have been cut out or even kind of trimmed down as, like, some of that battle sequence. Um... Like it is, it is good. I really, I enjoyed. For me, I, I had have some really great opinions. Uh, I really enjoyed the latter half of it, and especially when Barry reverses time because it just gave me pure CW flash vibes, and I just always think it was run. Barry, yes, I run. literally said those words during that scene. While I don't entirely agree with Alan's assessment that that whole sequence is boring, I do think it was a little overdrawn. Yeah, yeah. somewhat. Again, though, I'm glad they actually give Barry something to do. He's the linchpin of that whole plan succeeding, unlike in the 2017 version where they just, I don't know, go save that family over there, whatever, we don't need you. Yeah, because obviously that, that that lack of family, Russian small Russian family, uh, basically means that there's the whole scene that you miss out where it's Flash and Superman racing yeah. to save people. 
remind, remind me again, how did Stephen Wolf die in a 2017 cut? How did that actually he, kill him? Yeah, I don't think he dies. He doesn't. No. He, no, he gets put back through yeah. the portal. Right. He gets sent okay. back to Stephen Wolf because the idea is like, okay, we're the defenders of Earth or defenders of... Um, and like, oh, no, we're here, the Justice League. Yeah. Right. Um, but I really actually really like the fact where like, like Cyber was like, oh, it's too late. Um, and then you just see Barry racing through and like saying the words he's filed. Like, I thought it was nice. It was it was uh, it's very much he said it's like, making the Flash important again. Um, and also Wonder Woman decapitates Stefan was is that was so metal. That was satisfying. It was it was. Great. I mean, it was definitive. It was definitive. It's the idea that this character won't come back, and it makes sense because uh, people who complain about Wonder Woman killing people haven't picked up a Wonder right. Woman comic um, at any point because she is an Amazonian. She's a warrior. Uh, unlike Batman, it's man, she has no. No she's got a sword, dog. She, yeah, she's sword it's not decorative. Shield. So we we get rid of Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf is beheaded. His head is squished by Darkseid. Darkseid has his final do-it-myself moment, which that felt very inspired mm. by that exact Thanos scene. Um, yeah. We'll use the old ways. Which I assume means they're going to get in a goddamn spaceship. Except for that'll never happen because we're mm. never going to see a sequel to this film. Anyways... Um, and then we get the Lord of the uh, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King style five friggin' endings. That yes, movie yeah. ends, and then it ends, and then it ends yeah. some more, and then we get the the real epilogue, which is the uh, the nightmare sequence of the film, wherein we get really most notably the return of Jared Leto as the Joker. Was it was it just me that felt this was so oh, satisfying? It absolutely was. Yeah, if yeah, one hundred percent. Um, I felt I felt like some of it would it would be good if he wasn't there. In my opinion, uh, and that's because I hate that. I didn't mind him. Character. Even though I liked him a lot more than he was in Suicide Squad. I'll say that the um, whole movie. I'm going like, we've not had that scene yet. Uh, sure, that was going to tackle it. Oh no, they've tacked on at the end. Right, okay. It wouldn't make sense to have that scene in the middle of Cyborg's Vengeance, in my yeah. opinion. Would you mean a better place to have it? Yeah. Yeah, that's where I thought it was going to be. Multiple times in that film, I thought they were. I was like, "Oh, this, we're going to do that now," and then I was like, oh, "I guess not." I mean, see, see, seeing Flash in that scene somewhat kind of justifies the the Barry Allen flashback for PVS, but I mean, it only took them half a decade. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, and it just I just felt so tacked on. I, I I was looking forward to that scene. I was like, "Oh, I quit like the yeah. idea of the nightmare," and then I was I, like, "Oh, this is lazy." That's- I thought there'd be a full half an hour that we'd have in a nightmare. I thought there would be like a full half an hour of this four-hour movie yeah. dedicated to that particular bit because you think they've got four hours yeah. of film. Surely, a significant portion of it is going to be this scene that people nope. hyped up and nah. no. Um, I think the the Legion of Doom thing makes more sense uh, because like the original version of it, Lex Luthor says, "Oh, let's have a little bit of injustice of our own, yeah. or whatever it is." Or, thereabouts and it was a felt a bit fun. this one a bit terrible this of, one still yeah. kind of alludes to that but it's more it was clearly more of a setup for the solo batfleck movie that'll never happen yeah a lot a lot of stuff that's in here that will never pay off because as dan said half a decade ago yeah. at this point um i i did feel that is this the first time that we've seen arkham asylum in this universe other than did we see it in Suicide Squad? Yeah. But I thought that the version of Arkham actually looked quite cool. I yeah. didn't mind that. It was the fact that they changed the name. It was yeah. Arkham House for the Emotionally Troubled. For House for the Emotionally Troubled. That's what it was. Home for the Emotionally Troubled, yeah. Actually, I felt like, you know, I guess being sensitive and stuff like that and kind of makes sense rather than be called Arkham Asylum and it being a dingy old we building. We treat people the old-fashioned um, way. Still kind of a dingy old building. You know, yeah. No, no lobotomies. Um, don't, don't bring up lobotomies in Zack Snyder. Look, looking through the... Like, 
just takes me back to Sucker Punch. Oh my god! <laughs> I would act, I would argue that Sucker Punch is worse than this movie. Oh yeah, oh totally. I mean, yeah, definitely. The original cut of this film as well. This is four hours. It's okay it to be drove wrong. Me insane. Circling back to the the sort of fan consensus on what folk were saying in the Facebook page, I, I feel yeah. I think folk will be sort of satisfied. I mean, a lot of people, like Ben Townsend, that's one of the guys that I've pod, been on his podcast before. He commented saying that he wasn't clamoring for it, but he's going to watch it with his expectations set low. And a lot of folk have been saying things like that, like I'm torn on that. I wasn't really wanting it, but it's here. I, I don't feel like people in that sense are going to be disappointed. It didn't seem like there wasn't the same hype train, and there wasn't the same there wasn't the same amount riding on this than there was on the original Justice League or Batman v Superman. So I feel like already it's at an advantage in terms of fan reception I mean, going in. I think I've seen one fan that will be disappointed because uh, uh, Willie Russell says that Batman has a Greg's loyalty card <laughs> and we were all waiting for it and and he should add like, a Bat card style Greg's loyalty card, it would have been great. I feel like the Bat credit card. We've seen it before. The bat don't, don't eat Bat, that's how we all got here like a year that's ago. How we got so here, don't yeah. eat Bat, <laughs> bat actually. <laughs> should disclaimer that. Boop, 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 like big red letters. Um, do you know what? I would say... For me, the original Justice League was a 4 out of 10 film. This is probably like a 6. Maybe a 7. If I never have I'm to setting it at 7. I liked it a lot the first time I watched through it. I've, I still like it. I'm not as enamored with it as I was uh, after watching it a couple more times to give it some some clarity and some subsequent watch through. So yeah, I'd probably put it like like a 7. I'd say if, if you don't like Zack Snyder's movies, you're not going to like this movie. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. If you're all right with movies that look cool, eh, fine. Uh, but I would, I would definitely say maybe it's worth waiting around to see if someone makes a shorter version of it. I cannot help say this enough, and we've all said it, is that this film could have been two and a half hours and satisfied just absolutely, many fans. and not lost that much of the plot. Had it been two and a half hours, I don't think I would think it's the worst film that's ever made. But because it was four hours long, I was just like, F- you, this is zero. It was indulgent. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and there's a bits that could have been cut that without the CGI, without the kind of finished CGI that would have made the film probably more streamlined and kind of a better, ex- better experience. Because I, I thought it was really jarring whenever something with a terrible CG cut came in. And I felt yeah. like, come on, you could have cut that out. Yeah. I know this idea is restored in Zack Snyder's original vision, but. Yeah, my, my, my takeaway is there's always a, a fine line between letting an, and letting an auteur realise his vision and reading something in that's being too self-indulgent. And I feel like this, this yeah. airs on that side of the fence. Um, my yeah. overall notes, I've, I love the score. The I don't yeah. know why it had to be rated R, to be honest. Like the, the, the uh, it's because they say f- like six times. But yeah, I didn't. Thanks. But I didn't add anything. I didn't feel like. I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm going to talk like... about unnecessary swearing. But I just didn't feel like it added anything. <laughs> Especially the bit at the end with Batman. Like I felt like that was completely unnecessary. When he said that, you could easily have got the line yeah. across without. Yeah. Um, the death bomb. They still. Lo- they still love a blue beam of light. Every superhero film has to have a blue beam of light. So <laughs> yeah. every time Steppenwolf appeared, That's like it, everything did feel more grand and the stakes felt higher than than Whedon's cut. There was more new scenes than I was anticipating. I don't know about yours. The, the the majority of the fighting was people just getting thrown about. Like that's how I felt. The, after the second time I watched it, I was like, everybody just gets thrown into pillars and thrown out of buildings, and everybody just get tossed about the whole time. <laughs> Reminds me of injustice. Yeah. Yeah. like a, like a, like a fight. But, I mean, all that said, I'm I'm at about seven. What, Alan, what's your rating? Honestly, zero. zero. Yeah, yeah, zero. Negative, I, I think it's the worst thing I've ever seen. 
and to be clear, like when you mentioned it there, it kind of made me say that I should probably see this. I love like like letting an auteur do something when they've got something to say and like a vision of something which I think is good. Like David Lynch, I can't get enough of. Like I'm not saying I love all of his stuff because some of it is just a little bit too much, right? But I love David Lynch's stuff. It's got something to say, even if you don't understand it. It's like you know he's got something to say. This to me was all sizzle, no steak. If we're going to go back to the the food analogy from earlier, and absolutely despise it, like I'm actually angry that I watched it. That I think it's terrible. I would say, along the ideas of you, Alan, when you talk about artists and filmmaking, I feel like if you're looking for a real superhero film that has the original director's film, if uh, vision, sorry, for the film, I would suggest looking at Richard Donner's uh, cut of Superman, because that is the perfect example of how you do a director's cut while not completely boring people to death by making it super long i think i will check out it's it's definitely it's super worth watching yeah i'm not a fan it's the version that i actually am most familiar with i'm not a fan of any Uh, of my films i hate i don't love them either yeah i mean i mean alan's going to watch that before he's going to watch this again i I, I will never watch this film again like i will never watch this film again like i hate it that much would you have watched it if not for this podcast no okay it just about sums that up doesn't it the, the general consensus in three of the four here is, it's alright, it's better than the 2017 version, and then the outline consensus, which is why I really wanted Alan here, is, it's complete dog <laughs> it's the worst thing to ever walk the earth, it's the spawn of Satan itself, yeah. this film was cast from hell onto the mortal plane, <laughs> brought here to torment us. More or less. Specifically Alan. I think I heard his veins actually bursting throughout this conversation. <laughs> I hope he doesn't. We might have to go into hiding. I after hope this he doesn't month. have an but aneurysm. Sh- like, <laughs> but surely, for you, Alan, this must have been exactly what you thought it was going to be going in. I mean, oh yeah, only worse. It's exceeded your expectations, then. That's good. Yeah, bravo, Mr. Schneider. Bravo. <laughs> well done. He did the impossible. Good Alan, lord. All right. It. Well. <laughs> That's a good, uh, I don't know, by the time I edit this down, hopefully closer to like an hour and a half of babbling about the Snyder Cut. We're all going to have our own cuts. It's going to be like the, the Ian Cut's going to have like Alan saying only positive things. <laughs> uh, mine is just going to completely eliminate anyone else talking. It's just going to be me talking to myself for uh I mean, you already have that. That's your audio. <laughs> um, exactly, yeah. So more yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, we'll put, out, we'll put out the unedited version. It will have... Icelandic women chanting for 15 straight minutes. That's going to be our intro. I'm, I'm thinking for an outro. We have us that. all in the post-apocalypse. Alan's dead. Not because someone killed him. He's just old at that point, so he's dead. And we have and we have uh, Ian, not the, the other Ian Scott Sheen, is the, the Superman. He's turned yeah. against us all. He's turned the winds against us! He's turned the winds against us! I don't think I have anything else to say about this f***ing movie. Let, let it die. Well, with that being let said, it die. Uh, ch- <laughs> check, with that being said, check us out on social media at BGCP on Facebook. Uh, we also go by BGCP on Twitter as well. And we have the big Glasgow comic page website where you can find all the latest news, reviews, and comic book Do you hear news. this guy? Do you hear this guy trying to steal my bit? <laughs> So anyway, we'll be back next week with your standard podcast where we'll have, you know, the review roundup and all the things we normally do. 
I'm um, pretty sure next week we will probably go over a little bit of Falcon and Winter Soldier as well. And otherwise, thanks for hanging out and listening to us babble about the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League for however long this ends up being. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Take care. Bye. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.